Welcome to the next edition of AMFM247.com on the AMFM247 broadcast network. You're also seeing us this week here on the Roku as well via the AMFM broadcasting network. And we have... A great guest to kick off our broadcast day. Ron Gruner is with us. Ron, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Well, I'm very well, and thanks for the invitation, Chiggy. I appreciate it. So, Ron, you have got an incredible background. Tell us a little bit about yourself, my friend. Well, I'm a I'm a high technology guy, I guess. Um, uh, I started uh, three uh, high technology companies in computing and the internet. Um, starting in 1982, that was Alliant Computer Systems, uh, Parallel Processing, and then Shiro.com, that was a pioneer in investor relations, online investor relations, and uh, Sky Analytics in 2009, which was an analytics company focused on the legal marketplace. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, um, you have been doing this for a heck of a long time. What has been some of the different things that you've noticed over the years that has impacted technology and some of the different changes that you've seen? Well, I tell you this, I started in the computer business in 1969 working for a company called Data General. That was a mini computer manufacturer that most people now don't remember, but nobody in the 60s and 70s and even the early 80s could even have dreamed of what's capable now on something like an iPhone, the speed and the capacity of that. I know that's a cliche, but it's just astonishing what's happened. And my thinking, uh, and many other people's thinking, is that we're going to see the same thing with artificial intelligence. That's just on the um, opening stages of that technology. And I think in the next 30 years, uh, we're going to be astonished um, by what artificial intelligence is actually going to be able to do. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast. Ron Gruner is with us, and he has a tremendous, tremendous new book, How American Presidents Shaped the Last Century. And he joins us today here on our big program. So this book, incredibly well written. Ron, take me through the writing process for this book. Well, as an editor process, that's for sure. I had a I had never written. A, um, I used to do a lot of writing in my business life. There would be uh, white papers, press releases, and things like that. I'd never written a book. Uh, it's an editor process. I, I eventually started out to write a book on the national debt focused on economics, and that was a real sleeper. Uh, a good friend of mine who's a, a journalist, uh, after I had taken the first draft of the book, suggested I just scrap the whole thing and start over, <laughs> which is what I did. Wow. <laughs> and that was hard advice at the time, but it was the best advice I ever got. He says, Ron, you got to tell stories. That's the way you write, and you keep it interested. you got to tell stories. So I decided then I wanted to talk about a lot of issues, economic and policy issues, the United States government's focused on. Uh, but I have to do it through stories, and so I decided to write about the presidents, and including a lot of personal anecdotes and background about presidents starting 100 years ago with Warren G. Harding all the way through Donald Trump. Uh, so the process was to do research first, and people say, well, how the heck do you do research on presidents going back 100 years? And it turns out, frankly, it's a lot simpler than you might think. Uh, Just a few years ago, presidential historians had to travel to the presidential libraries, the Library of Congress, Department of State, and research their libraries uh, in person. And I mean, that was extremely tedious, uh, just finding things. But now most of those databases are on, most of that data is on databases, which you can search online. So 
when I typically would begin a new chapter on a president, I'd allocate two weeks just for doing research, and I would do that online on the Internet and formulate my thoughts and then, then take a draft of the chapter and then basically redraft each chapter. I probably went through four drafts of each chapter, just then fine-tuning at the very end. It's a very iterative process. We have got a great guest with us today. Ron Gruner is with us. He joins us via the magic of the old Skip Skype. Yes, the old Skype Rooney today. And Ron Gruner joins us here <laughs> in our program. We the Presidents, How American Presidents Shaped the Last Century. It is an incredible book. And he's with us today here on our big program. So one of the things that I find <laughs> absolutely amazing about presidents is they are blamed for everything. <laughs> Everybody and their brother blames the president for everything. And one of the things that I have always said is no matter who the president was, I didn't have any money. So it didn't matter if it was Clinton, didn't matter if it was Bush, didn't matter if it was Trump. I didn't have any money, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. um, why is it that people put so much stock into, well, the reason gas prices are so high is because the president. Well, the reason this is going on is because the president. What, what, what have well, you found in your research right. over the years that, that presents this? Uh, well, there's probably nobody else to blame. Uh, that's kind of a joke, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when people are dissatisfied, gas prices, for example, obviously uh, uh, the, uh, the opponents – of the current president is going to basically make a point out of that. And uh, they're going to say it's uh, it's the current president's fault. That's why we need to change presidents. So that's one factor for sure. That's all that's gone on for, you know, probably this is the beginning of the of the nation. Yeah. Uh, but presidents have a, a great deal of control over the nation and the economy, but they don't control everything by a long shot. And a lot of what happens with the presidency uh, were seeds that were sown in prior presidencies, maybe the one before or maybe even several uh, decades before, as an example. Yeah. Well, one of the things I find absolutely amazing, and maybe you can explain this a little bit more detail since you've studied all of the presidents to, to put this book together, We the Presidents. Um, one of the things that I find so strange, and, and I think because we've elect, we elected president trump and now we have biden is is it the is it better to have a president or someone who is running as president to be presidential and be a politician because for so long there were all these ads that people would run about well i'm not a politician and everybody was like well i think that's awesome and now we've had a president for four years in Trump that was not a politician. <laughs> is it better to have someone that's that's a politician, or is it better to just have somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're doing as a politician and they just happen to get into office? Well, sometimes it's better to have a disruptor. You know, in business, I spent my whole life in business, and sometimes uh, a company can be doing very well, then it slows down and stagnates. You know, you, uh, you know the board of directors has to bring a disruptor in. That yes. kind of shakes things up. So uh, I think the same thing applies uh, with presidencies, too. We have got Ron Gruner with us today. We the Presidents, how presidents 
shaped the last century. It's a uh, presidential history written by the former tech CEO, Ronald Gruner, who joins us today via the magic of Skype. And uh, unlike most presidential histories, Gruner tackles each president from Warren G. Harding, beginning in 1921 through Donald J. Trump and the January 6, 2021 insurrection, one chapter at a time. Now, this is an interesting uh, topic. You, 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 you tackle the January 6th thing. I don't know why people keep calling that an insurrection and why people are so worried about that, because as far as I'm concerned, it was just a bunch of idiots with Trump flags. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> That's going, sure. yeah. going through the years of presidents and some of the different things that have happened with presidents, um, do people just not do their history and remember that there has been a lot worse crap that have went on than a bunch of people showing up with Trump flags and doing a, uh, as they call it, an insurrection? Well, unfortunately, uh, you know, civic education and, and uh, history isn't taught in schools uh, like it was uh, when I grew up in the 50s. Uh, I think that's part of the problem. So we, a lot of us don't have a historical perspective on how things were uh, 50 or 100, even 150 years ago. I mean, yeah. uh, back around the Civil War years, uh, several senators nearly killed each other in a fist fight yes. in, uh, in, 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 in Congress <laughs> itself. And that wasn't too unusual. I mean, what would we think now if we actually had a fist fight where somebody nearly died uh, on the Senate floor? So we've had that kind of uh, those kinds of fights and issues for uh, a long time. Um, so that's the benefit of history. And unfortunately, you don't really, at least in my case, you don't really appreciate history until you got a lot, you become a lot older and you have appreciation for what it actually means. Um, it'd be best if you taught history when somebody's about 40 years old as opposed to uh, 12 or 13. Yes. Yes. Ron Gruner with us today. He joins us here on our big program via the magic of Skype. And, uh, you know, with the presidents and studying the presidents as you did for this book, there are a lot of presidents that have gotten a lot of flack over the years, one of them being Jimmy Carter. There are so many people that I hear on radio and TV that are always like, oh, he was the worst president ever. Why is it that history looks back at Jimmy Carter and everybody looks at him as, oh, my God, he was a horrible president? Well, what, what did you find in your research that either backed this up or didn't back this up? Well, it, it, uh, it backs up that assertion, but I consider uh, Carter one of the uh, uh, most underappreciated presidents yes. certainly in the last hundred years. Yes. And I talk about that in my book. Carter was not a politician. Basically, uh, his communication skills were learned teaching Sunday school, which he had done since he attended Annapolis as a young man. He taught Sunday school continually. And he actually, his inaugural speech was more religious than it was political. But um, I think the reason people remember him as a terrible president and politician was he lost to Reagan in a, la a historic landslide one. And then a few months, about a year before uh, the end of his presidency, he gave a speech, which is called the Malay speech, which was rather than a, a, a discussion which uh, Americans needed, namely a pep talk, he gave them a sermon, sermon about the moral failings of American uh, values. And that soon became called the Malay speech. And a lot of people were very, very unhappy about that. Um, but he did, uh, he did uh, at least three things, which were really, uh, I think, quite remarkable. The first is uh, 
he did more deregulation than any president in the last hundred years. Uh, he deregulated transportation. He deregulated uh, energy. And Ronald Reagan pretty much rode on Carter's coattails regarding deregulation. That's point one. Yeah. Point two, he... Uh, he turned around the uh, the growth of energy per capita with his legislation focused on energy conservation. And if we had not have been begun focusing on energy conservation, we would not be close to energy independence today. And the last thing he did, and I'm getting a little long-winded here, but no, I think it's an good. important point, is he fired the current Federal uh, Reserve Chairman, Arthur Burns, fired him and hired Paul Volcker to come in and turn around the economy. And Volcker said the problem with the economy is this incredibly high inflation. And we're going to have to take some really bitter medicine to turn that around, namely reducing the money supply. That took four years. But by the time, uh, and uh, and that was a year before his uh, the election. So inflate, inflation was rising rapidly under Volcker because he was cutting the money supply. And that caused him to lose the election. And then three years later, inflation was down to 3%. And Ronald Reagan rode, uh, rode uh, the coattails of that with a very successful re uh, recovery after that, the Volcker recession, as it's called. So that's all a tribute to Carter. Many people don't appreciate that. We have got a great guest with us today, a fantastic, fantastic guest. Ron Gruner is with us here on our broadcast. He's got a tremendous new book, We the Presidents. And he joins us here on our big program. And, Ron, one of the things that, you know, people blame uh, Reagan for a lot of stuff, <laughs> which some of it, yeah, it's, it's well-placed, but some of it not so much. Uh, in your research, when, what president really got to the point where we have what we have now because like for instance with uh with even going back as far as uh bush and now with trump and biden i st i tend to think this started with with reagan but it could have started who knows earlier than that when did it become where multinational corporations and groups could basically influence the president to do all sorts of things when when do you, when do you think that started happening a lot of people blame you know especially after they've seen the the roger stone documentary that was on netflix a lot of people can trace that back to reagan but was it before then well, I think that, that, let's break your question down into two or three components. One is, yes. uh, if you look at America Today, uh, in terms of social programs, obviously that started with Lin Lyndon Johnson and his social programs, yeah. uh, Medicare, um, uh, the Civil Rights Acts, and, and, and that. So what we know of America Today uh, socially started with Lyndon Johnson. Uh, in terms of taxation policy, that started with Ronald Reagan and supply-side economics. Yeah. And so those were two in that regard. In terms of our, kind of our policies regarding the Soviet Union, that obviously started with uh, with Harry Truman and the Truman Doctrine uh, in terms of uh, doing uh, everything to resist the, the growth of communism. And now that's kind of morphed into the growth of Russia. So it's it's been things. But the other thing, you, your specific question was um, the, the growth of multinational and, and large corporations yes. and their ability to control yeah. uh, the economy. 
in some respects, that started with an economist, Milton Friedman, who was a Milton Friedman was a and a famous and very well respected economist. And in the in the early '60s, he wrote a a book that basically said the only responsibility uh, corporations have is to make pro- make a make a profit. Do it legally. Yeah. Do it justly. Uh, don't cheat. But your responsibility is to return the highest possible return to your shareholders, and that's your sole responsibility. And that philosophy was adopted over starting really in the early '70s. And that's one of the things I think that's affected uh, a lot of things in America, including what many consider to be income inequality. We have got a great guest with us today. Ron Gruner is with us. He has a tremendous book. It is called We the Presidents. He joins us today here on Skype. And uh, if you want to watch the video of our conversation, we will have it on our website, JiggyJaguar.com. It's also going to be available on Rumble and YouTube and all the other places. So one of the things that I've noticed, Ron, just studying presidents, um, we were we were talking about you know, with with Trump not being a politician, I get the impression that Donald Trump was the first president to be one of the folks that they grew up in the in in the public school system and 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 in the school system. You're always taught anyone can be president, and when you're the president, you have all sorts of power and all sorts of things. And I get the impression just by some of the things that I heard and saw out of Trump, he was one of those people. And then when he finally got to be president, he realized you don't have all the power <laughs> and you don't get to do whatever you want. Uh, is, is, is that is that from studying presidents, it was is that the case or were there some other presidents that came through that? you know, thought the same thing. Hey, I get to be president and I get to do what I want. And then they realized, no, there's a lot of other factors involved. Well, uh, I think every uh, president probably, uh, this is uh, be, uh, too strong of an assertion, every president comes into the office uh, with uh, an ambitious plan and then is frustrated because, of course, the key is to get laws passed is you got to deal with Congress. Yes. And Congress, uh, even when you uh, control both uh uh, both houses of Congress, which uh, Trump did, uh, his the first two years certainly, uh, it's hard getting uh, you know uh, all those cats to kind of march in line, and so that's been a frustration of pretty much any president. Uh, I would say Lyndon Johnson, who had been in the Congress for uh, almost 30 years when he became president, and was trading on the sympathy after uh, Kennedy's assassination, was very successful in getting most of his agenda done, but. That blew up, of course, when he extended the Vietnam War, and uh, he, he he left the presidency a broken man, even though he had been very successful in the early days with his legislation. It's a tough job. It's a very tough job. Yes. We have got a great guest with us today. Ron Gruner joins us here in our program. He is amazing. He has got this incredible book, We the Presidents, and he joins us today here on Skype to discuss this incredible book. Now, one of the things that I've noticed just from studying presidents and history is that you hear a lot about George Washington. You hear about Thomas Jefferson and Andrew Jackson and some of these folks. But then you skip to Abe Lincoln, and then it seems like people go from Lincoln to Roosevelt, and they miss, like, 
10 to 12 different presidents that are in that in that scope is is it the fact that like folks like James Madison and John Quincy Adams and all these folks did, did they just not accomplish anything that people remember or what what why is it people just don't remember these folks well, I mean, people remember a few of them. They remember Andrew Jackson, of course. He was yes. a populist president, and uh, he was kind of the Donald Trump of the 19th century. Um, I'm talking about uh, you know presidents other than the ones you named, Washington yeah. and uh, Lincoln, for example. Um, they remember Teddy Roosevelt, who began the Progressive Era. And, you know, 1901, after McKinley was assassinated. Yeah. Um, but there was a kind of a dearth, I, uh, I would say, of a less notable presidents after Grant, after the Civil War and Grant, and then to Teddy Roosevelt. Um, they were more what you might call transactional presidents. They were just doing the kind of the day-to-day job of being a president as opposed to being transformational and changing the presidency and changing the country like a, like a Reagan did or like a Roosevelt did. Yeah. Those are the ones we remember, the ones that really changed the country, not just kind of conducted business over a four-year period. Well, one of one of the things that uh, I'm I'm sure you discuss in the book is the impact that some of these folks had. Um, Richard Nixon is a <laughs> it's a polarizing figure. There are folks that love Nixon. There's a lot of folks that hate Nixon. Uh, what was some of the things when you were doing your research that? you know, shocked you or, you know, maybe confirmed some things you had heard regarding the presidency of Richard Nixon? Well, I'll say this. If it wasn't for Watergate, uh, Nixon would probably be considered one of the great presidents. He did a number of things that we tend to forget. Uh, he opened up China. Yeah. Uh, that was a – he was a, a, a real uh, – uh, Red Scare Warrior all through the late 40s and the 1950s, so he could do that. But he uh, also uh, put in place uh, a huge number of uh, environmental regulations, which passed with huge margins in Congress. You, we forget this now, but back in the, the 50s and 60s, the air and the water in the United States and the world they, was filthy, absolutely filthy. The Monongahela River caught fire because there's so, mo- so much pollution on the surface. Wow. actually caught fire in the 60s. So he pioneered... Uh, uh, clean Air Acts, Clean Water Acts, uh, Acts for the, the Disabled, and they passed Congress with huge margins, very, very popular at the time. Um, and later he was blamed as being our most socialist president because of passing that. But at the time, it was very, very popular. Uh, not many people think of Nixon as being a socialist, but you know, wow. four or five years after he did that, Milt Friedman called, it, called him America's most socialist president. Um, <laughs> so o- opening up China and the environmental goods that he did Fantastic. and winding down the uh, Vietnam War, as tragic as that was, was three accomplishments uh, that he had. The other thing he did, which was necessary, although a lot of monetarists disagree, he took the United States off the gold standard, which was necessary at the time because we, frankly, were running out of gold. We didn't have to have enough gold to back our currency. So he was a he was very much a transformational president and uh, a better president the first six years and well the first five years than people uh, really realize. We have got Ron Gruner with us today. We the presidents, which is a fantastic, fantastic read, and he joins us today here on our big program. Now a lot of folks 
they hear all they hear all the various names over the years all, all the various names we've talked about you know lincoln and roosevelt and eisenhower all all, all, all these different folks but what were some of the accomplishments if any of chester a arthur who was the president from uh september 19th 1881 to march 4th 1885 did he do anything because it's like (laughs) i i you hear something about everybody but a lot of these names like if you pull up this this list of presidents you know a lot of these names but then you get to some of these names and you're like well he was the president but what the hell did that guy do? <laughs> well, that's a good question, Jiggy. And I say this: I mean, I wrote about the last hundred years, so you may have to wait for volume two of my book. I'm going to ask questions about the first hundred years. Okay. <laughs> um, well, it is it, it is it is quite the journey that that you you've done here, and and I'll tell you, you you've you've got a lot of really really cool tidbits in here. Um. Tell us a little bit about uh, where we can get the book and everything. Well, it's available uh, on Amazon.com, and it will be available shortly at Barnes and Noble and Apple and other major sources and retailers, both online and uh, at some point in the physical stores. But you can uh, you can pre-order the book at Amazon today. Uh, the name of the book is uh, "We the Presidents," and just add Gruner to that G R U N E R, and uh, when you search, and that'll t- take it straight uh, to the site. You can uh, you can pre-order the books, and they'll be shipped shortly after January 11th, which is the uh, the official release date. Amazon.com, We the Presidents. Fantastic. Well, before we let you go, my friend, what's been some of the reviews, some of the feedback you've gotten on this book so far? Well, it's just getting started, but it's been uh, generally quite positive. I think uh, uh, people like the breadth and the fact that the book's not political, as uh, uh, as I we, we didn't uh, t- discuss. The book never mentions the terms uh, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, left or right. I yeah. avoid all those political terms and discuss the issues. And that's been uh, one of the criticisms in that people feel that perhaps I'm avoiding that or I don't take a strong enough position on uh, one, or, one or more presidents. And I have just tried to lay out the issues and the facts as clearly as I can, back it up with references and let people form their own opinions. Well, the book is amazing. Uh, you could do, you know, a, a, a book on the vice presidents as well, because there's there, there there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things there that, uh, that that I think you could cover the the same way that you've covered the presidents. Um, with you know the uh, some of these folks that have been in there, whether whether it's Trump, Obama, Bush. You know, even even something like uh, somebody like Joe Biden right now. Um, do you think that we will ever get away f- as far as the presidencies? Do you think we will ever get somebody that is young <laughs> in there, uh, or are we always gonna have you know these as you know these 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 older guys, these these you know seasoned folks? Because from what I can tell, the last, I don't know, 20-so presidents have all been, you know, maybe Clinton might have been a, a young one, but and, and maybe Obama. But, I mean, are we ever going to get to the point where we have someone who, you know, they run and, and 
they're still spry by the time they get out of there? <laughs> well, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, John Kennedy was 43 when he was elected. Yes. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt was 42 uh, when he became president after, after the death of McKinley. Uh, George W. Bush, I believe, was 54. So they were relatively young. Uh, the Constitution allows anybody over the age of 35 to be president. Yes. So in theory, uh, you know, somebody uh, 36 years old could be president. But I think the time that we're in now with Biden and Trump in their late 70s uh, is unusual, actually. Most presidents have taken um, uh, individuals have, have taken the presidency in the 50s and 60s and a few in the 40s. So yeah. I think uh, once you look past the current generation, uh, Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump, um, hopefully there's a, a whole new generation generation of much younger, more aggressive, uh, well, maybe that's not the right term, but much younger uh, individuals coming into uh, as candidates for the presidency. Well, Ron, you have put together quite the book here. Um, you mentioned that before you wrote this book, you had written another book that you basically just scrapped. Are you ever going to go back and put that book together, or is that just, we're, 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 we're never going to do that because it just wasn't a good idea? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I've uh, I've got that in my files. Of, you know, by, chapter by chapter, it's about one hundred five thousand words. Uh, but I don't see uh, doing anything with it. Um, I think it was a learning process. I've got uh, one or two ideas about maybe my next project, but uh, I'm not sure I want to take it on. That's a lot of work doing a book, and uh, yes, but I have to say I enjoyed it tremendously, and I may well return to that. But I may have to. Uh, uh, talk to my wife uh, about that because uh, she may want to divorce me if I say I take on another four-year project. Well, before we let you go, Ron, how do people get in touch with you online, social media, websites, buy the book, everything? Well, the uh, the book's uh, website is uh, wethepresidents.us, wethepresidents.us. Uh, my personal website is a simple, gruner.com, G-R-U-N-E-R.com, G-R-U-N-E-R.com. And uh, those are the two best ways to reach me and learn about me in the book. Fantastic. Well, Ron, this has been fantastic. I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we will ch- chat with you soon. Appreciate it, sir. I enjoyed it. Thanks for the time. Thank you, my friend. There he goes. That is Ron Gruner. We are going to take a brief time out here on AMFM247.com. When we come back, we will have more coming up. It is going to be Dr. Carol Lieberman joining us this week here in our program. But uh, we're going to take a quick commercial timeout, get everything reset, get Dr. Carroll in here, and uh, we will be back here in just a few moments on your world famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio broadcast. An incredible new marketing partner with us today at Transmedia Worldwide. Absolutely amazing. Go over to sandycryer.com. Amazing, amazing pottery. Sandycryer.com. It's great pottery. It's completely handmade, and each piece is one of a kind by Sandy herself. Each cup, bowl, vase, and plate is hand-thrown on the potter's wheel, hand-painted with ceramic glazes and stains and made to be enjoyed. A perfect gift 
or start a collection of your own. Go over to sandycryer.com. That's S-A-N-D-Y-K-R-E-Y-E-R.com. Sandycryer.com. Beautifully handmade pottery for everyday use. And you know about it here on Transmedia Worldwide. Isky Code Radio CSG, ET30, Fisher House, PSA, Socks, 30 seconds. Sliding around in sock feet is a pretty common activity in a Fisher House. You see, every year, thousands of kids stay here to be close to a wounded mommy or daddy receiving care at a military or VA medical center. It's a place where they can feel at home when they're not, and where kisses and hugs are only minutes away instead of time zones which, for a kid with a soldier as a parent, is an unfamiliar luxury. To learn more about the Fisher House Foundation and how you can help, go to fisherhouse.org today. Welcome back to the world-famous Chiggy Jaguar Radio Broadcast. Thanks for tuning in to the big broadcast. From wherever you're tuning in to us, from the KJAG Radio Studios in downtown Edison, Kansas, we are live Monday through Friday at 2 Central, 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, and 1 PM Mountain Standard. And of course, 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com. On the TuneIn apps, Radio Loyalty. Also, our podcast is available on demand with iHeartRadio. Live Twitch video on our Supersonic website. Add us as a friend on Twitch. Give us a five-star review over at TalkShoe.com, and selected editions will be available on AMFM247.com. 50-plus AMFM stations in the big network and live video available on Twitch TV, Periscope, Facebook Live, and Chatterbay. You can follow us at Facebook.com slash Jaguar. Find our daily videos uploaded at YouTube.com slash J-I-G-G-Y-J-A-G-U-A-R. Wherever you're tuning in to us, thank you, iHeartRadio, 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. Thanks for tuning in and being part of the big program. We've got a great guest and a great segment coming up here in just a few moments. But the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Broad sounds good.org because coffee does sound good right now. Go over to C-O-F-F-E-E-S-O-U-N-T-S-G-O-O-D dot O-R-G. It's coffee at your doorstep. You need to go over there right now. It's coffee sounds good dot O-R-G. Coffee, t-shirts, and apparel. Everything one-stop shop over there at coffee sounds good dot O-R-G. Coffee sounds good. It is going viral. And we want you to be a part of it. Over there at coffeesoundsgood.org. That's right. Coffeesoundsgood.org. We have got a great guest joining us today. She is a TV news talk commentator. She is available on all the big headlines, psychological and sociopolitical point of views. She's board certified, our good friend, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Dr. Carol, welcome back to the program. How are you, my friend? Fine, thank you. So, we have got a couple different topics today I want to cover with you. First of all, this uh, situation with uh, kids going back to school after the... uh, the uh, you know Christmas vacations and, and all these things, um, children are going to be experiencing all sorts of different things. 
you know, separation anxiety, depression, germophobia with all this COVID. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this as, as, as children are getting ready to attend in, in-person classes again since, uh, since the, the big holiday break. Uh, kids don't know whether they're coming or going, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yes. Um, because, first of all, the schools are open, the schools are closed. The school, I mean, you know, it's, good, it's a good idea, it's a bad idea. Uh, I mean, it's, too, it's always a good idea, but it's too dangerous. Maybe that's not a good idea. I mean, it, it is so, it, it's confusing for adults, but it's really crazy-making for kids. Um, and... You know, and, and of course, one of the worst parts is that uh, teachers uh, in a lot of places are using COVID as an excuse um, to to not want to have uh, in-person school. And yeah. really, we know we all know that it's just because they want to sit on their <laughs> pitches um, and uh, and and not be in school teaching, rather than that it's really best for the kids. You know, they're trying to say, oh, this is what's best for the kids. So anyhow, um, uh, they are so they're feeling not only are they having still all of the things from from um, the past couple of years, all of the, the the you know lack of being in person and the lack of socialization and the lack of friendships and sports and um, all of those things that they really need. This is part of developing in a healthy way. But, um, but they have all of these things going on in the world that nobody is really uh, talking to them about for the most part. Um, yep. I'm talking like today, for example, you know, we have January 6th going on. And um, if it is so... It's, we're being gaslit, um, you know. The, for example, there were there were talks. I'm sure you know this. There were talks this morning, speeches uh, by Kamala Harris and by President Biden, and and lots of people in Congress, um, make, turning the day upside down, like talking about how this is the most this is the worst thing that ever. At January 6th was the worst thing that ever happened. The um, storming of the of the capital was the worst thing that ever happened to this country and the country is falling apart and you have to um you have to uh um, you know we have to save the country you have to realize that that was such a bad thing and we can't let people who are so out of control um run the country and really it's and you know they're very if you didn't know better i mean it's very convincing uh, unfortunately it's going to be very convincing for a lot of people and really yes. it, is, it is gaslighting because in fact um what happened on january 6th is a very scary um uh, you know omen for the country but not because the people went into the capital it's because the the um the election was stolen the yes. election, there were fraudulent things that happened on the election. So they are turning it on their head and saying that it's the it's the storming of the of the Capitol that was the bad thing, not acknowledging that there were all of these fraudulent things that went on with the election. Well, we have got a great guest with us today. Dr. Carol Lieberman is with us. She joins us live here on our big broadcast. And uh, speaking of the January 6th, situation it seems that uh 
And this is just so strange because I have always said, as far as the January 6th thing goes, I always thought it was just a bunch of guys with Trump flags that showed up because... A bunch of, I'm, I'm sorry, a bunch of guys what? A, a bunch of guys with Trump flags because it could have been a lot worse, Dr. Carroll. We could have had Bikers for Trump show up. We could have had the most armed man in America from Colorado show up. If you really want to... If, it could have been a lot worse. Um, one of the things that Biden and friends are doing today, and you mentioned this at, at the top of the segment, is they are basically celebrating, despite the harm that this has been doing to the American psyche and some of the different things that are going on, why is it the Democrats are making more of a commemoration of January 6th than they did for the anniversary of 9-11? Yes, because they are scared to death that um, with the with the uh, 2022 elections, that people with uh, Biden's low approval uh, polls, that people are going to be mad as hell and not want to take it anymore and vote Republican. So they are running scared, and they are making this into what really, you know, this, this is one of the things that really aggravates me perhaps the most. Well, I think the gaslighting is what uh, frightens and angers me the most, you know, that there are going to be people who believe the um, propaganda. But the other part that really bothers me is how this is more, they have been making more. There are supposed to be over 300 events all over the nation today besides what's going on in D.C., and um, they are making more of an event of it, a commemoration, than they have done for 20 years of 9-11 anniversaries, when that is really um, the thing that we should be paying more attention to. We have got a great guest with us today. Dr. Carol Lieberman is with us. She joins us live here in our broadcast. So why why do they want folks to never forget about january 6th is is this basically so we can just throw more dirt on trump and maybe not get him to run in the next election cycle or what what, what, what why do you think this is going on dr carroll well yes of course that is the bottom line i wrote a um, i do a column for an online magazine called front page detectives.com and I do a column called Inside the Criminal Mind and usually I do it about you know um, the high profile trials of the day um, what those what those trials and criminals are all about and but today um, when just got um, went up today um, that's called January 6th criminals January 6th participants criminals domestic terrorists insurrectionists rioters or patriots and I broke it down for each of these things um, to say to show why you can't call them uh, each of these things. Um, and I, and let me. The most important is the giving, being labeled, having these people, the participants, be labeled as insurrectionists. And there's a motive behind all of that for the Democrats. Um, because if they call anyone vaguely connected, anyone they can dig up, who could they, where they can make a connection, um, even if they weren't like there that day, if they can make a connection, they can call them, and they have been calling everybody insurrectionists. And they then, um, the point of it is to use 
um, a the the 14th Amendment, a part of the 14th Amendment that was meant um, for because it was uh, created after the Civil War, it was meant for um, Confederates to not allow Confederates be uh, hold office. So it says um, it says um, anyone who who quote shall have engaged. Let me start again. Anyone who quote shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion or given aid or comfort to the enemies shouldn't be allowed to hold office, to run for office, etc. So yes, they're calling people rioters and criminals and domestic terrorists and so on. But the real label that they're pushing is this insurrectionist. So that then they can try to um, uh, try to get Republicans to to not be allowed to run, try to ban them from running using this uh, part of the Fourteenth Amendment, this provision. And so that is really scary. And of course, to call them rioters, um, okay. But then, what were the people for the past two years who were t- turning, burning down cities? What were they? Um, you know, they weren't supposed to be rioters. They were supposed to be called peaceful protesters. And domestic terrorists, well, um, they are not domestic terrorists either because there is, um, there is no specific federal crime uh, covering acts of domestic terrorism. In order for a person to be called a domestic terrorist, they have to be connected to a foreign designated terrorist group in some way. So that doesn't work either. And then criminals, well, um, they've already arrested over 700 people and um, charged, uh, they've sentenced over 70 of them. There are a lot of people who were involved on January 6th um, who are in jail and awaiting, they're they're being held under terrible circumstances, tortured um, by political prisoners, denied medical care. There was a man who had cancer, and they wouldn't let him, and he was on chemotherapy, and they wouldn't let him uh, get medical help and get get chemotherapy, and of course his cancer got a lot worse. Um, All of this, they're being treated worse than real terrorists. Uh, So... So it's, it is a, a uh, mess, and I just hope that enough people, you know, I'm trying to get the message to people. Uh, and, and another thing is um, that on January 6th, you know, they, they, of course they're all blaming this on Trump. That's the bottom line. This is all Trump's fault. He was the one who made everybody do this. He told them to, you know, to, to um, run rampant like this. And I watched uh, the Trump speech in that morning. And he told people to march to the Capitol to, quote, peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. He never told anybody to damage property, steal property, be violent, any of that. But, you know, that gets lost with um, in, in uh, mainstream media. Yes, yes. Dr. Carol Lieberman with us today. She joins us live here on our big program. So... With this January 6th thing, do you think that after today, this may die down at some point? Or is this going to be something they're going to be talking about as far as the media and the Democrats and everybody? Are we going to basically be hashing this for the next two years or more? Well, I think they're going to be rehashing it until the election, through the election. Yeah. Um, 
I think that this is their uh, big day, the the, um, the send-off, you know, uh, of this whole concept. <laughs> um, and then it's just going to be the drumbeat of it again and again and again and again. And uh, it's very, it's, it's, you know, there are some people who have gotten into power who are just, um, and then, of course, people behind the scenes like Obama and Hillary and and Soros and, uh, you know, various various people who aren't necessarily on the nightly news every night, but who are behind this whole movement, and then the squad, and then, um, you know, it's really, it is, we, our, our democracy is absolutely uh, in danger, but not the way that they're talking about it. It's the way, you know, it's all these people who want to uh, bring a progressive agenda to have people, you know, I mean, it's working. They're having people are quitting their jobs, um, and they're getting money from the from the government. They're getting money to stay home. Um, they the kids, you know, the in on the original January sixth, there were kids who turned in their parents, kids who saw their parents on television or on somebody's video or. Um, they spoke to them by phone, and they knew what they were doing, and they reported their parents to the FBI. I mean, that is such a signal of how far kids um, have, have their minds have been kidnapped um, by by teachers and schools who are pushing their progressive agenda, getting them to feel more loyal uh, to the teachers and the schools, at, to the point that they're even willing to sell their parents down the down the water or push them push them under the bus um I, I, you know that that was a, a warning a big warning then and i don't think that um you know as much was done about it as should have been done i mean yes there are parents who are realizing about crt in schools and about uh twisted sex ed that they're being taught and so on and um perhaps it was helped by, helped by their hearing about these kids who were turning their parents in, but um, but it, but if, if you know if they have captured their minds to that extent that they can turn them against their parents to the extent that they're willing to put their parents in jail, you know, um, because of what they've been learned by their from their teachers, that it's a very dangerous situation because these are the voters of tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> You're hitting it all on the head, Dr. Carroll. Before we let you go, Doctor, how do we get in touch with you online and social media and the websites, everything? Well, um, one place would be uh, terroristtherapist.com, and they can see on the top of the page, they can get my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. But they can also see on the top of the page, um, a video, the video that I had created for the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and that I had on a um, mobile billboard, a truck, on the 10th and the 11th that went around Manhattan uh, with why we should remember 9-11, how to get kids to be more resilient uh, for the future, and, and so on. I made a 15-minute um, music video that, uh, wow. uh, that I probably should have had going around today as well, all over next year. 
Well, Dr. Carroll, I appreciate you making time for us today. It's always a pleasure chatting with you, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you. You too. Thank you, my friend. There she goes. That's Dr. Carol Lieberman. We are going to take a brief time out. When we come back, we will have more coming up here on AMFM247.com. Back here in a few moments. Incredible new marketing partner with us today at Transmedia Worldwide. Do you want to unlock the opportunity to become part of our vision? Welcome to an incredible, incredible company. Go over and check this out today. Not Alone LLC. We specialize in helping investors. We buy homes in any condition and match buyers and sellers together for a smooth transaction. We also help turn amazing, amazing renters into homeowners offering credit repair if needed. You need to check out Not Alone LLC. They are not just a company, but it's the name of a standard. They're here to make sure you find the best possible rental and rehab properties, building the real estate solutions of the future for future that is so bright. Get more information, 314-405-4891. Or you can get them on Facebook Twitter and Instagram. Check them out right now. Dial up the phone number at 314-405-4891. Get a pen, write this down. It's 314-405-4891. Check them out today. They are amazing. Not alone, LLC. Welcome back to our big broadcast. We are live coast-to-coast, border-to-border on iHeartRadio today, also AMFM247.com, and an amazing, amazing new marketing partner with us today here on 50-plus AMFM stations across the country and around the world, VIP. That's very individual protection. Safeguard your loved ones for as low as 33 cents a day with VIP. That's very individual protection. They've got a tremendous Kickstarter campaign. It is available online. And of course, as we all know, 68 children go missing every hour. Two out of five every co-eds. That's right. Two out of every five co-eds are sexually assaulted at some point in their lives. And three out of five kids are bullied, including kids of all ages and backgrounds. Human trafficking is considered the third largest organized crime activity in the world. So that's why you need to get VIP. That's very individual protection. You can safeguard your loved ones for as low as 33 cents a day. Go over to K-I-C-K-S-T-A-R-T-E-R.com. Search for it today and tell them you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. Tell them about it right now. That's right. Tell them about it. What are you going to tell them? I'm going to tell them about it right now. Go over to amfm247.com. Go over there right now. It is the best in talk radio 
seven. We want to thank our friends at Tampa Bay, 92.1 FM. Of course, in Las Vegas, Nevada, 99.5 FM. Macon, Georgia, 87.9. Lancaster, PA, 102.1. And Boulder, Colorado, 96.3. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 90.3. And, of course, Pittsburgh, PA, 94.7. Long Beach. Out there in the LBC, 101.5 in the Villages in Florida at 97.7 FM. And Jacksonville, home of the AEW, 90.3 FM. And Washington, D.C., 96.7. And coming soon to Garland, Texas, Dallas, Texas, and Vancouver, Washington. You can get more information online at amfm247.com. That is that. We will see you next week here on AMFM247.com.